Once again, a big thank you to Wild Earth Australia for their continuous support and being a company that really believes in the adventurous lifestyle. Now, if you need any gear for your next adventure, running, hiking, camping, climbing, survival, you name it, they have it. So go to the website wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. Free shipping Australia-wide, they even ship internationally. I just want to add in about safety in the outdoors after the last episode with Tara Romes about being buried alive. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. It's absolutely incredible survival survival story. Now, guys, remember, always have a plan A, B, and C. If you need any safety gear, go to Wild Earth Australia. They will have you covered, and the guys on the floor there are experts. Just give them a call and ask them what safety gear you would need for your next adventure, and they will be happy to help. It's better to be safe than sorry, guys. Okay, so this episode is a style of storytelling I've never tried before. Two people telling it together. So I hope it does the story justice. This is one of the wildest things that has happened to me and I shared this experience with two good mates, Blake who you're about to meet who tells the story with me and our boat captain Myers. Blake and I tell the story together and it's definitely something we will always remember. It's not every day that you have to fight off a shark that is trying to eat you. We got really lucky with this one and we are left with such an amazing experience to remember. We wrote a song about it and sung it one extremely drunken night at sea where some of the sailors had joined us for dinner. It's loud, it's rough, it's hard to listen to, but I've put it up at the end of this podcast as the outro music for a bit of a laugh. So you guys just enjoy. Yeah, and just before we go into this episode, I do just want to apologize about how much I'm swearing this episode. I didn't realize until I edited it up. I think it might have been a combination of being at sea and actually just telling this story with how much adrenaline is in it and how I emphasize and put that across because this was such a heightened adrenaline experience um, being attacked by a shark. So I do apologize about the F-bombs, but just bear with me. <laughs> just, just let it happen. That it, it just is what it is. Okay, enjoy, guys. <laughs> Mate, we've ended up on a boat together uh, through some mutual friends. We've flown into Tonga. We're making our way back to NZ. We're hired help for the passage. Well, actually, yeah, we, we get invited. We get invited through our friend Alexa. She has some friends that need to deliver their boat. They need, a, they need help sailing, sailing it from Tonga to New Zealand. And mm-hmm. so we get invited on this trip and we're like, yeah, perfect. We want to go check out Tonga. So they, and they've said to us like, yeah, we'll have a couple of weeks around Tonga. We'll explore the islands, check the culture out, learn the boat, and then we'll set sail when we get a weather window. Bring your spear guns, bring your surfboards, bring we'll your have spe- some fun and then we'll do the hard work. Yeah. And so we're, we've pretty much been doing that. So like... We do that and, fuck, I've got to say, actually, Tonga kind of blew me out as a place. Like, it absolutely blew me out. Like, the the hospitality of the people. Like, as soon as we hit land, anywhere we went, all we did, like, was put our thumb out and hitchhike to wherever we needed to go. And people would just pick us up and help us and take us there. Out of their way food. as well. Yeah, completely. People going absolutely out of their way to drive to the other side of the island. Yeah. To go to those waterfalls, those caves. And so, like... We, we actually, there's like a whole backstory of this because of how 
the people were in Tonga, every island that we sailed to, we were getting excited to meet the locals on that island to see who we could find. You know what I mean? Like we met that one guy, David, who lived mm. by himself. It was just him and his wife and his daughter on this island to themselves. And they just had some pigs and he just grew tobacco. What did he grow? Tobacco taro. and taro. Yeah. And then he had one little solar panel on a cardboard <laughs> box to charge his phones. <laughs> What was bizarre was coming ashore on this island without barely a structure on it, you know, like a shanty of a structure, which was this one family that lived there, walking down the beach, coming across a lady, and she's standing there with the clothesline up, hanging behind her, you know what I mean, coconut husks all on the beach, evidence of humans being around, and she's just there on a phone. Yeah, trying to get the one spot on the island that gets reception. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely insane. But, but just making a life out there, you know, it's madness. You yeah. Know, they, they, and, and remember David saying he takes his kids, you know, across the way in a, in a dinghy. It'd be five kilometers, six kilometers probably. To take him to school. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes his money by trading the tobacco yep. and everything. And he just lives off this island. You know what I found most interesting too? That that guy, David, um, so the Tongan guy with his wife and his daughter that lives on this little island. What I found most interesting about him is that that was his family's island and he was like fifth or sixth generation on Mm -hmm. that island. But what I found so interesting is that he had been to Australia to work before. He had been to New Zealand. He was this humbled islander, Tongan islander living off the land, yet he knew all about Brisbane, all about the city, he knew about Auckland. You know what I mean? He had family there. He'd been to like New Zealand. He'd seen the Western world. He had seen these developed cities and he still chose... To live this extremely simple life think, on this island, I think you're touching on a pretty recurring theme that we that we saw with several of the Tongans yeah. that we met. There were people who'd been seasonal fruit picking, or there were people who'd gone and worked, um, you know, seasonal hired labour, low labour jobs in Australia, in New Zealand, because it's easy. But then they'd all just come back. They were like, you know what? That's not for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm checking and out of that. This, um, actually, I told you. I think I might have told you because it because it came up when we were kind of talking about this. So one of my friends, one of my Balinese friends, when I was living in Indo, his older brother married an Aussie girl from Morissette mm-hmm. in Newcastle mm-hmm. in Australia. Mm-hmm. And he's had a couple of kids now. Wyan, his name is. Like, oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Wyan, he lives in, in Morissette, right? And he has a Balinese landscaping business. And he works around the Sydney region, around the Newcastle region doing Balinese gardens. And he works really hard and he's got two kids and he's got a mortgage. And I was talking to him one day and he goes, you know what? My life when I lived in Bali, like he was a lifeguard in Sanua. And he said he would get up, he would go go down the lifeguard hard, he would, you know, hang out for the day, hang out with his friends, he would go spear, he would go fishing, always caught enough food, made enough money to, for his motorbike, for his phone, for his family. You know what I mean? He didn't make much, but he made enough money to live. And now he's living this life in Australia where people think, where people look at him and he says to me, even like his like wife's family, they've, they've kind of hinted before, they've put the notion as in that they've saved him, that they've like, and he said like, all he's doing, he can't wait for his kids to grow up so he can just move back to Bali because mm. he was saying his life was so simple. You know, now he has this mortgage, he has kids, he has like, you know, like, so much responsibility and he has to work so hard and he said before he was just hanging out on a beach having a good time with his friends with his family with his loved ones and there wasn't a care in the world you know what i mean he just knew everything he was had okay. enough 
Yeah, and I, like we keep seeing this throughout Tonga. Like we see these like amazing humbled souls that are just the they're by far the most beautiful people that I've ever met. And we had that, that really amazing experience because I have family. One of my uncle, and that was such a weird trip that my uncle was here in the late seventies mm. and meets a girl on the beach who can't speak any English and a Tongan lady on the beach who can't speak any English and she's cooking by a fire. And my uncle takes her and sits down and ends up sitting down with her by the fire all afternoon and all night and then goes back to Australia and starts sending her letters. And her dad can speak English, but she can't. So the dad translate these all these letters and they're writing back and forth for like six months together and then he just asks her to marry her. And the father proposes for him. <laughs> and then she goes to Australia. This is my auntie, Cindy. Goes to Australia. It was just love at first sight, this beautiful love tale. Mm. And then she goes to Australia and my mum, my mum's friend lends her a dress and my mum lends her a veil. And I think my mum had to sew something for her. And, and they just had this wedding at my grandma's place in Toowoomba. And it's this beautiful wedding. And, and they were so in love. You know what I mean? I remember growing up, my uncle and my auntie, so in love, and she was the most beautiful woman. And they had they had five children together. You know, all my cousins, all my Tongan cousins, and and she ended up passing away with cancer, which is actually the saddest thing because that se- seemed to be a common recurrence throughout mm. Tonga. Everywhere we went was young people dying of cancer and diabetes as well. It's a huge problem. Yeah, but that was just such a trip, and so it was amazing to get to go to the village where my cousins that I'd grown up with, and my auntie and her family that was always in Australia that had come from Tonga. And getting to see where they're from, and like actually seeing this culture and this like, <laughs> I have to say one of my favourite parts of this trip has been looking over your shoulder as you, you know, we're, we're meeting people along the way and meeting people at the airport and sitting around at the airport and sitting around you know town and at the bar and all these different places, and out comes the phone and it's Aaron and your photos of you as a toddler with your auntie Sydney. And with your, you know, with all your Tongan cousins back at home, you know what I mean, and your and, and your uncle. And the islands and, are so small; everyone knows everyone. And everybody knows everybody. <laughs> yeah, they look at it and they're like, "Oh my god! Oh yeah, Sydney. Yeah, I remember Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Anna Kabalu, Yeah, I know from that village. You know, I know so and so and so and so and Puli and all these relatives and things like that. And people just looking at Aaron, who looks like a you know white yeah, surfer, just... you know, scrawny by their standards, you know, little Aussie surf rat, and and going. What the hell are you? You related to these people here? Oh yeah, well, actually, what, what I <laughs> you're find, one of us, kind of. I reckon yeah, that's the best. Way. So we got to Vavao. Yeah, we we get to Vavao. Um, we fly from Tongatapu up to Vavao, where we're meeting the yacht, right? And so we meet the yacht and everything, and then we find out we've got this day free. And I know that on the other side of Vavao is Tu Enikavale, which is the village that my cousins are from, my auntie's from, and she, I know she has family there, and. So, you, I, I asked you to come with me, mm. and we get the camera, and we just go to the mainland of Vival, and we just hitchhike, and we end up, this one, this young guy that couldn't speak any English, he, what was he, 17, 18, and his sister was 13, they picked us up, and took us the whole way there, and I told them we're going to go see, see my family, they were so confused. Yeah. And I'm just showing them photos, and they're so confused, and so then we, we get to this tiny little village, which is like... How many, like maybe 80 people would live in that village? Max. Yeah, yeah. maximum. And it's gorgeous, like... Gorgeous, gorgeous re- village. Really little, like everyone has a garden, these like really old little cottages and... But but super rudimental as well. Yeah. Like, very basic. 
and we start walking along and I, I, we see this guy who ends up being like the town chief or something and, mm. and I show him I said we're looking for for um, Fakama or Puli mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he, they, they point us to the house and they're like why why are you looking for them and I show him a photo of me and my auntie and they're like Sydney you, and they're like, wow, everyone's like, so So we, we get pointed to my uncle's house, to Aunty Sinny's brother's house, Fakama. And we go there, but he's not there. And we get told that he's at his other house up the road, which is the house that he's building for his parents, my, my auntie's parents that live in Brisbane in Australia that are moving back to Tonga. So we, we walk back down the road. And meanwhile, we're these two white people in this little village and everyone's coming out and looking at us like, what are these guys doing? And then... We get to this house and there's this guy sitting on this porch and he's looking at us like, what are these white guys doing, you know? And we start walking over to him. So he stands up on the balcony and starts walking towards us. And I said to him, are you Fakama? And he looks at me really confused and says, yes, puts his hand out to handshake. I shake his hand. He's like, and he's looking at me like, how do you know my name? Yeah. And then I show him a photo of his sister. And he looks at the sister and the sister's, his sister holding a baby. And he's looking like, and so he's confused because this white guy's just walked up out of nowhere, <laughs> shown him a photo of 30 years ago of his sister. And he's so confused. And then I point to the baby and I say, this is me. And he just lights up. Didn't he? He just yeah, yeah. lit up and started laughing and started grabbing my hand and shaking me it's uncontrollably. You? And he was like, it's you? It's yeah, you? He's just like, yeah. And See? then he's just like, come, come in, yeah. come in. And he just couldn't. Man, I'm getting the shivers yeah. thinking about this. And so then he calls uh, his wife down. Special. The whole family comes down. Then we get to go to his sister's house. And it was the same reaction every time you show mm. the photo of Arnie Sinny and me. And so like then we end up getting taken around by them and, and getting shown the whole village. And they... They take me down to the beach where my uncle meets my auntie, and that was the biggest trip out. I was like, how the hell did my uncle end up... In the in 70s, end up out here at this beach. At this village bizarre. and meet the love of his life. Yeah. You know, just this little village girl. And it was just... It's such a beautiful love story. And, and knowing my auntie was the most lovable, caring woman. And I think that's the thing about the Tongan people and what was so magical about us growing up with this big Tongan side of the family and all her family is that I think Tongans with the village too, it's like they all become parents. Mm. You know what I mean? Because mm. my auntie would act like it a parent. Very she loved communal. us just as much. Well, not just as... But you know what I mean? She showed us just as much love as what she did for her own kids. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was so nice going over to that household and and then having this experience. It's like, actually, should we just talk about our experience this whole trip? <laughs> the whole trip? Oh, this whole trip. So, we start... Okay. So, we start sailing on this boat and we're getting... You've never sailed before. I've done some sailing. You've never sailed before. Sailing's not my forte. Never sailed outside of Sydney Harbour Heads, basically. <laughs> yeah, but now we're like... We get okay. So the people that own this boat are absolutely amazing, and Myers is—he's just captain. the king, captain. We call him captain, but he's just the king fisherman, the oh, king yeah. spiro, the king sailor. He just really dependable, knows his stuff. He's reliable, a, yeah, solid guy, an engineer. Yeah. Just knows his stuff, and so first thing he wants to do, he just wants to show us a good time. So he's taking us around the islands and taking us spear fishing everywhere, and we're seeing these amazing coral, and we're seeing. Should we go into the sharks, man? We're seeing sharks <laughs> everywhere. 
But no problem, okay? And but no problem there wasn't. I mean, we saw them, but they were... There were never you know, any problem. And they're so reef sharks, right? Tippy- so there's black tips, white tips, you know, little grey reef sharks, you know, and, and they're kind of cruising around on the peripheries yeah. and they're hanging on the bottom and they're no big deal. And I, I have to admit that I've been a scaredy cat spearing when it comes to sharks and my friends are constantly getting in my head like, it's okay, like blah, blah. And I know what to do and I do know how to read sharks. Mm. But I'm always nervous around them, and I've been trying to really work on that. Yeah. So when I was in Tonga and seeing all the sharks around us, I had no problem because they were, they had standard shark behaviour. There was that one afternoon where it was feeding time, and there was that there was a black tip reef shark oh, yeah. going for a baby trevally, <laughs> yeah, kept trying to get it. And then I was there, and when I got there, he started getting interested in me, but darting around and darting behaviour got a bit too. That was a bit too um, much for me, and so I called the, the dinghy over, but it was all okay, and everyone we talked to was like, yeah, they're sharks, just normal reef sharks, and so basically when you're spearing, there's always sharks around, and if you're going to shoot a fish, that is always going to attract in sharks, and so when sharks come in, the, the typical thing to do is that you know, you pull the fish in close to you, and once you get it in close to you... There's an assertiveness yeah, that you need to establish. Yeah, it's suddenly your territory, and if they're yeah. ever... If they're ever um, darty on you or getting around you you treat them like dogs and like i i've yelled at sharks in the water like ah and then as soon as i yell they they piss straight off they off they're gone Mm. or if they get a bit too inquisitive you poke at them and off they're gone and if they really get inquisitive and come in you give them a jab with your spear and boom as soon as you hit them they're gone and so this was the typical behavior we're seeing around tonga and everyone that we speared with is the same behavior yeah but lots of circling, lots of just checking out, lots of eyeballing up, but you know, not yeah. nothing too dramatic. Nothing, really. and we were never we never felt out of our comfort zone with them. And then, so the plan is to so we've got to deliver this boat to New Zealand, but leaving the Tonga chain, there's about a four day sail to a place called Minerva Reef, which is an atoll that just sticks up. There's no land. The, the reef does get a little bit... There's part of the reef that gets dry. It's a perfect circle that has a channel in it that you can sail into. And so it's this safe haven in the middle of the Pacific, mm. the South Pacific. It's quite remarkable. Yeah, and it's absolutely beautiful. And and even just looking at it straight up, you're like, this is these big drop-offs suddenly coming to this reef and this opening going into this reef, into these shallows. And you're like, at the, at the mouth of that reef, there's going to be amazing fish. There's going to be heaps of sharks. We know that. We know that, but typically shark behavior spearing, we know we can handle it. So, what it was it took, took us a four-day sail. We set we set sail in from Vivao. We went to Hunger Island. We crashed the dinghy. Had to go back to Vivao, fix the yeah. dinghy <laughs> That's right. on the reef to go surfing. We tried to leave once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> had Captain Myers take us out to the uh, to surf a wave that we thought we'd spotted through the binoculars and put the dinghy up on a reef at one point on a coral head. Yeah, and we had to go back <laughs> and fiberglass it. Yeah, back to and town. Then, and then we set sail. And so what it took us four four days at sea to get to Minerva. Yeah, did a bit of fishing along the way. Yeah, did a bit of fishing. And um, <laughs> actually, well, along the morning, the first morning we're sailing, we put the we put the rods out. And as soon as we put it out, just... And we're on. We pull in a 100-pound plus tuna. Big it's a massive fin. thing. So... We're like, well, like we've got enough food off that for a week. And so, like, it probably takes us an hour to put the lines back out by the time we, like, butcher it up and everything. We're not really drop thinking about... Drop the head sail, drop, you know, drop the sails, put it motor, motor it up in the wind, put it in circles, do all those things. It's a bit of a... I mean, on a sailing boat compared to a motorboat as well, it's like a bit of a... Yeah, it's a bit process. of a trick to, to, to... And you're fighting these fish, you know, like, yeah. it takes you 20 minutes, half an hour to get the fish in. Yeah. 
And so it's a whole process. We're setting sail again, and and Myers is like, oh, I'll put back the lines back out. And as he's putting it out, next thing, and we're on again. And this time, we pull in a 200-pound plus ship. We pull in a tuna, a yellowfin tuna, that is as big as us. Mm. And that just started it for the day. Same thing. As soon as we pull in it, half an hour, fire, drop the sail, we're... Grab the grab the straps. We had to strap ourselves in because we're fighting these big fish. Yeah. And this just goes on all day until lunchtime. What we end up catching seven tuners that are hundred pound plus. One's two hundred pound. Yeah. And we end up ca- catching a magic black marlin. Yeah. Which was about three hundred pound. Now with a hell of a show. With a jumping. hell of a show. Sharks coming in, and we only kept two of the fish. One we had to feed back to the sharks because the sharks we had we filled the we freezer. Free, we with, filled the freezer at about eight thirty a.m. in the morning. I think. Yeah, with the fir- with the first two <laughs> the first fish. two fish. Yeah, and then threw another seven hundred pounds of tuna back into uh, yeah. So four thousand dollars worth of tuna back into the ocean. Yeah, so we, up, we keep pulling in these these prize fish, and I've never seen anything like it. Each fish is worth like so many hundreds or a thousand dollars, and we're just throwing them back in mm. alive too. You know, making sure they're still alive. But unfortunately, we we got a double hook up. At one stage, and mm. that was when we we're putting the lines back. Mm. You and I, mm. we're putting the lines out, and the next thing, bzzz, off they go, and both of them hit. And so, you're you're reeling one in. Was it you reeling one in, or was someone else? I think it was you and Alexa. I think I was driving. Yeah, at that and point, I was steering. The, my one was was further out. It was, yeah. I think it was a bit bigger and running. Yeah. And and she starts pulling hers in, but sharks start getting it, so they're taking chunks out of it, and so. We're like, so we get this thing to the boat away from the sharks, but it's it's just been half eaten. And we've got this other one on the line and we're like, well, we need to feed the sharks something. Otherwise, this other one's going to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So next thing, it becomes this thing of throw that one back in. I'm reeling this one as fast as I can to get it in to get the hook off so yeah. we can go and live, you know, live to see yeah. another day away from the sharks, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly what ended up happening. But we end up coming in, into Minerva Reef, which had... 20 other boats as a safe haven anchored in there hiding out I think it was 11 11 or 12 when we first showed up when we first showed yeah. up when we more, first showed up there was right eight, with us. 8 and then there was 4 boats behind us that and came in within like the first 6 hours it's all about picking the weather window right so there, yeah. there was a good window which we ran with a few other boats so, yeah. so we arrived in there was maybe I think 10 or 12 boats yeah so we're not seeing 20, other boats yeah. at sea but that morning coming to Minerva mm. Reef the last few hours we started seeing on the horizon a few other boats tailing us and we get into Minerva Reef, and I think by the next day, there was about 20 boats in there that had all gone for the for the same window. And we've got this freezer filled. We've got yeah. <laughs> a freezer filled, filled with tuna. And we're like, what are we going to do with all this tuna? Meanwhile, we're running out of food of other th- of all our other supplies, and for one, we have no beer. So, and, and I guess the backstory to that is that when we broke the dinghy, went back to Vavau to or, or Niafu to re reprovision. It was a Sunday. And in Tonga, they're quite Catholic, uh, and nothing is open on a Sunday. Nothing so we is could open not buy Sunday. dinghy fuel. We needed dinghy fuel. We needed we needed food. We we needed ice. We needed all kinds of you know touch ups, I guess, bits and pieces, which we couldn't get. And it was a public holiday Monday, I think, the next day as well. So we just yeah, we're, we're like, like, and our oh, weather window was then yeah, as well. We're exactly. like, we're ready to leave. We just got to leave. So yeah. so we're sitting there like, oh, okay. Well, we have all this tuna massive slabs of tuna freshly caught the day before or two days before and it's in the freezer and we've got all these boats around us and I'm like you know I'm all about trading I'm all about doing like 
doing trips and trading for like mm, fish mm-hmm. or just whatever and so and we're out of beer man times are getting pretty fucking serious yeah. there <laughs> so so we're like alright let's get on the two way get on the two way put it out to all the boats in Minerva Reef that we have fish to trade we have fish to trade and we put a list together of what we wanted to trade for so we're like beer number one priority want to trade for beer eggs what was it wasabi oil oil and ended up eventually ended up being coffee chocolate, chocolate. yeah there was yeah. a number of things on there and then we're like we're joking about it how like funny all the like all random this is that all the other boats are gonna think so we're like and I'm like oh should say something like you know because we've been at sea for a few days just slip something right in there and say something like clean undies you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, um, you know, copy all all vessels in Minerva Reef. Um, this is Elfie here, the sailing vessel Elfie. We have kilograms upon kilograms of tuna to trade. We are looking for the following items, you know, beer, chocolate, clean undies, eggs, and just keep going like that. So we get Alexa to call. She's got the list of what she needs to say. And we get her on the two way. She's got it written down in a notebook. She's got it written down in a She's notebook. She's organized. She's so organized. She's about to go on the radio in front of 20 boats she's never met. Yeah. <laughs> so straight up, it's like over the two way, over Channel 16 for all the boats to hear. Starts going, copy all vessels in Minerva Reef. All vessels in Minerva Reef. This is sailing vessel Elfie here. We have tuna to trade. Freshly caught tuna. We are looking for li- listed by priority. She goes, beer, <laughs> chocolate. Dirty undies instead of saying clean undies, like instead of saying it subtly, quickly as well. So next thing, all the boats. Yeah, and pause because she's cracking up as well. So it wasn't like you know we we envisage it being beer, eggs, flour, dirty undies, oil, you know, and and so on. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, A clean undies, and um, and she just pauses and just lets it ring out. Over 16. But we get all these hits, and this is the day that I always remember where we traded five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars worth of fish, worth of prime tuna shoulder steaks, the most beautiful sashimi tuna steaks, poke bowls that we're making. I mean, the size of your, like, you know, steaks the size of your calf or your, yeah. your thigh even. Like, you literally, know, like, that you, you can't buy this stuff. And we're trading this. We traded for eight beers, 12 eggs, <laughs> two blocks of chocolate, mm-hmm. and some a tomatoes. bag of limes yeah, and yeah. some tomatoes. <laughs> and we traded... $800 like, <laughs> in tuna for that. <laughs> and then we realised... Shit, we traded all our tuna. <laughs> We're going to have to go spearfishing. And we knew we wanted to go spearfishing anyway. And so our first dive, we go out to the Northern Pass, where we know is a big drop off, off off the ledge as you come into the reef. And we know it's going to be a hot spot. We know. So we anchor the dinghy. And we anchor it good because we're thinking there's going to be a little bit of current, which was a, another mistake in itself. And as soon as we jump in the water, there's sharks everywhere. But we're still in the mind frame that these are just going to be normal sharks, just like everywhere else. Even though it's like we're open ocean here, hitting this yeah. reef, we're like, no, you're, it's just you're about as open ocean as you can get. You know, it's not there's there's reef with the odd rock exposed, but you're basically you know on a giant reef in six thousand feet of water, hundred meters off. You know what I mean? It's it's a uh, we're out there. Yeah, you know? we're we're and we're very remote here and. And we're seeing all these sharks. So we're seeing white tips, we're seeing black tip reef sharks, and then we're seeing greys and Galapagos sharks. They're all around us. And we start swimming like we normally do and, and, and spearing. And I, you guys break off and I break off with um, with Myers, the captain, to, to spear the deeper, the 
the deeper drop off. So and you guys are spearing together. Alexa and I kind of swimming around together with one gun between us, which is more for just because. Yeah. And I, and, and and I'm a. I mean, personally, my story is as a surfer and someone who's growing up surfing in Australia. And I've seen my fair share of sharks, which from above the water as well is Fucking way terrifying. more terrifying actually than when you're in the water with them. Yeah. Because um, you can see them. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's uh, a fairly actually new experience for me. I'm not definitely not a spear fisherman by any means. And, uh, you know, just seeing these things yeah. is kind of crazy for me. I'm like, holy shit, dude. There's like fucking sharks. And, and uh, unlike the ones in Tonga, uh, in, the, in the islands, I suppose, which were, as you said, you know, had sort of normal shark behavior that we were kind of useful. You, you didn't feel threatened by these ones just kind of looked at you differently. Yeah. They, and they'd swim yeah. straight up to you and then just circle you. Yeah. And they looked at you like you were, you know, you felt like you were a piece of food to them. Yeah. Was the difference. And at, at one set, where it first, where it first clicked for me was that I was swimming along and I turned back to look at Alexa, which was probably 20 meters behind me. And she was being circled by this gray shark. And it was just circling her and going deep. And, so, and I was like, oh, shit, I better poke it away. And she, she doesn't have a gun. So I swim back over. And I swim back up just like to any shark. And it starts circling me. And I go to poke it. And I poke it. And it doesn't even move. It just keeps circling me. And I'm like, fuck, I need to poke it again. So I go up. And I give it a jab. And then it shoots off. And then it comes back and circles me again. And it's looking at me and trying to get I mean, closer. at this point, at this point, I don't know. You, you, we're not even like physically contacting the shark it's just gesturing you know what i mean yeah. it's like making an aggressive gesture yeah. towards the shark is, is typically what you all you would have to do to yeah to sort of send it on its way but this one i've, I've got to give it a, a bit more and it's just not going away and i finally go down i give a big yell and i give it a poke and i and i hit it with the spear and off he goes and i go to alexa's like fuck these sharks are a bit bit different here and she goes yeah i'm getting out of here i'm going back to blake and i was like oh, well, i'm going going you know off to to spear with um myers and we're still not that worried and so by this stage but there's i'm seeing 50 sharks at any one time and i'm thinking okay well i'm not going to spear anything unless it's prized and so we decide that we're going to go to another part of the reef and get in the dinghy and go up so we start myers and i start go, going back to the dinghy and, and then next thing i'm kind of getting close to the dinghy and there's three sharks around me and, but they're only white tips. And I'm thinking, oh, this is okay. And then I see this beautiful, huge coral trout, like a nice coral trout. And I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck it. So I go down. And I know Myers has got my back. I know he's watching me. And I wait for this shark to go past. And as it goes past, I'm like, yeah, it's out of reach. And I go, bang. And I shoot this fucking coral trout. And as soon as I do that, I just backpedal. And I'm swimming as fast as I can for the dinghy. <laughs> then I jump in the dinghy, hand you guys the gun. And we just pull the fish straight in. We're like, oh, yeah. At this point, Alexa and I are already in the dinghy. Yeah, you, uh, you, got, you guys have been out swimming. And, and Alexa and I come back. And we've been circled by one shark. We're like, all right, well, let's go check out the shallows. Let's just jump up on the reef where there was some wash. And we thought it would be shallower. And swim up there and start getting circled by an even bigger shark you know and the ones they just start popping up right behind you and things which is which is fairly disconcerting and so we're like yeah you know what we're out of here i think we're, I think we're checking out of this man i've had enough of being fucking swam around by sharks uh but yeah i remember watching it i remember turning and seeing you You know you guys were not far from the dinghy or 10 meters from the dinghy sort of thing mm. um sticking pretty close because of the situation and I just see the commotion and I see you just backpedaling. <laughs> your flip is going crazy, like paddling and dragging it, you know, on your back, basically. We just hold you up, hold, hold uh, the fish out. Yeah. Got everyone out of the water. And then, well, and then Myers gets up and he starts calling us all pussies. And, and yeah. he, he's this sea dog. He really 
is comfortable in the water and really comfortable around sharks. And he, he hasn't experienced a shark circling him that they did us. Like, he was always out. He was just in his own. And he, he saw all the sharks, but he didn't have any really come up on him too much. So he's just calling us pussies and everything. And I'm thinking in he's my mind... He's a Floridian. Mind, He's, a, he's yeah. far more comfortable with it than, yeah. than we are. So I'm thinking in my mind, and the whole time with him, I, he fills me with a lot of confidence. You know, if Myers mm. thinks it's fine, it's fine. And I, in my own mind, and I've got my, my mate Brett, um, water bubbler, and he's always telling me, you know, like, it's just in your mind. Like, the sharks are fine, you know, just they get too much, just poke them away. It's all good, you know, you're like, you're looking at it wrong. So I've really got this in my mind that the sharks are okay. It's just me, you know, just play it safe. And so, Myers, we decided to go up to this other drop-off where we, where we saw a bit more action going on. So, we pulled the anchor of the dinghy and we go up and we jump in the water. And again, as soon as I, we're talking about all the sharks, Myers going, they're fine, they're fine. And I'm first in the water. And as soon as we anchor the dinghy and I fall off, I, I fall back off the boat and I look straight down. I land on a fucking shark. Straight under me, a meter under me. I'm just going. When to you we've guys, relocated, it's a yeah. straight under me. Like shit. And then anyway, Myers like, nah, they're fine, they're fine. So Myers and I, you guys decide to stay in the dinghy. Yeah. No, nah, we're not doing it. But we anchored the dinghy well, as well. We we I I swam down and got the the anchor really hooked under coral head. And Myers and I are off this drop off, and we're seeing the sharks all around us. But they're just greys, or white tips, black tips, and you know he's like they're all right, even if they're circling us, they're, they're fine. You know what I mean? And next thing, this massive GT. I see this GT coming at me, giant trevally coming at me and but then and it's come straight past my gun and i'm thinking oh i could shoot it and i'm like no because they're not the best eating and all these sharks around if i'm gonna have a shot and you know you know it's quite high risk area here i'll go for something good and i start looking down there's these bullets like these bigger fish deep mm. underneath i'm like oh, i wonder what they are anyway so next thing the the trevally swims past myers and he decides to go for a shot at it so he goes down, goes for a shot, and misses. And I'm like, well, fuck, if we're shooting the Trevally, I'll shoot the Trevally. <laughs> so then I dive down, and by this stage, it's a bit out of range. And I shoot, and my gun kind of hits it, but doesn't go through. And, but it causes a big commotion and goes off. And like next thing, all these sharks are around us, but still, I'm not panicked. Mm. And I come up to get a breath, and Myers is like, that's fucking dog tooth tuners under us. Those bullets down there, they're dog tooth. And I'm like, shit. So I'm like, load up, load up. So I'm there trying to load my gun up, load my gun up. Get, I'm looking at, the, watching these dog tooth tuners under me, just going like in panic mode, trying to get my gun loaded. Dog tooth tuners, <laughs> what I, prize fish. What I love about this story is, is, is having heard it from you yeah. and the commotion and everything that's going on underwater. Yeah. And meanwhile, Lex and I are sitting in this dinghy, teaching each other like all kinds of probably somewhat unuseful extravagant knots with like the various lions sitting in the dinghy you know we're just sitting there like tying knots and shit in this beautiful like crystal clear water that we can see through to the coral on and everything and you just have no idea you know when you're What's- looking through the surface of the water what the fuck's going on down there yeah. so we're talking we're sitting there and we're being like and i remember at one point we we're literally just thinking we're like imagine like how bizarre it would be if someone was just on google earth and they just like zoomed right in you know what I mean? Like, if you could Middle just go ocean. from where the... You know, all the way out there in space. Yeah. Zoom all the way in. It's like... All the way in. And then they're just like... You know, we're just sitting here on a boat, you know, just bobbing around. Just bobbing around. in the open ocean. Like, it's just bizarre. Anyway, go on. But it was... The juxtaposition for me is just so funny. Well, the thing is of how remote we actually are. We're in this weird atoll. And 
But I'm panicking. I'm looking, and I'm not worried about these sharks around me. There's probably eight sharks circling, circling us, and I'm not worried about it. I'm just worried. Got my eyes on the doggy. Eyes on the doggies underneath, and I lock my spear in. I get the fucking cable hooked around the, the line of it, and then I go to load it, and I look down, and Myers is still loading his gun, but I look down, and there's about a three-foot gray shark beelining from the depths, it's like going at speed straight at Myers underneath, like straight for his feet. And I look down, I'm like, like this, this shark's actually having a go <laughs> at Myers, like it's coming at him. And I'm like, all right, I've got, I'll just intercept it. So I dive under Myers and this shark's like literally coming at it. And I hit this shark in the nose. So right now I've dove to about three, four meters and I've hit this shark in the nose and it's pissed off, this little three foot shark. And I thought, oh, that's cool. And then next thing I look up and as I look up, it's gone from being the sharks are around us, the greys and the white tips and the blacks. So it was about eight or nine or ten sharks circling around us. They're suddenly a bit wider. And as I look up, there's four big bull sharks circling Myers. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. So I swim up and I turn my back to Myers. So I'm looking out, keeping my eye on the other sharks. And I think to myself, it's okay because Myers is not panicked. He knows sharks. He knows the ocean. It's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is the fucking scariest thing. Because then I turn my back and I look at Myers. And Myers is in panic mode, punching with his fucking spear gun. <laughs> he doesn't have his gun loaded. He doesn't even have his gun loaded. He's, he's, he's gun punching loaded. him with the butt of his gun. And there's just he? Myers just swinging his arm at this fucking bull shark. And I'm like, fuck. So then I yell out to you guys. Like, he yells out, there's a 10-footer like, at me. Or whatever, and then I look, and then there's these fucking four bull sharks circling us, trying to get at us, and we're just fucking punching, and we start yelling at you guys. Yeah, maybe you. Could- We've got the dinghy anchored, so we're anchored, and Aaron's done a really, really exceptional job of actually putting this anchor underneath a coral head. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm up the top with Alexa, and um, and uh, I hear I hear uh, Myers yell out, and he goes, "Yo," he's like, "We're being circled by like a twelve foot." bull or something and i was like holy shit i was like lex we gotta like get to these guys and they're you guys were only like again like 10 meters from the dinghy yeah not far but i was like i was like shit i was like um i was like lex get the engine on i was like put the prop on like make some noise might just chase them off or something and i was like i started i was at the front of the dinghy so i'm starting to pull up the anchor i'm pulling us up and there's a bit of waves out there because we're actually over on, on the ocean and i'm madly just trying to like yank and, and loosen and untension and pull ourselves over and beyond you know trying to work this anchor loose basically and at one point i've um there's a wave come and i'm holding on to the thing and actually put the like nose of the dinghy underwater and we took on like a whole pile of water over the nose of the dinghy because <laughs> i'm holding it because i'm holding it so like this the anchor chain so closely yeah. we've taken this wave over the front and i'm like oh man this thing's not coming loose at all and uh and Lex just puts her, uh, Lex, I, I don't know, just, she was, she was, she was just intrigued, man. I think she was yeah, just she like excited. Because there were so it. many sharks and, and we the whole time were like, no, sharks are fine, sharks are yeah. fine. For then, for yeah. us to yell out, get to us, there's just sharks. She didn't see it as a panic well, she thing. Didn't she didn't saw it that. as in like, oh, I want to see what's going on. She puts, puts her goggles, goggles on, on and, and leans over the back. <laughs> to try to see what's happening. And you're in panic mode trying to get the fucking dinghy out. I remember just yelling, going, just get to us. Yeah, yeah. And we're fucking Holy hitting back shit. these sharks. And we start backpedaling, swimming back and punching off these sharks. 
And we get back to the dinghy, and then they, once we get back to the dinghy, because we're on this coral head where the dinghy was anchored, mm. we're kind of in the shallows then, or like enough for the sharks to kind of back off. And so then we sit there still in the water just laughing about it, going, holy fuck, holy fuck. And then we climb back in the boat, and we can't get the fucking chain up. <laughs> and we're like, well, someone's got to go over. Someone, we're going to have to dive down and get it. And I had this thing in my mind. This happened very, very quickly. Well, I just had this thing in my mind, like, I'm not going to make anyone else do it. Like, I didn't realize that... I, I just had this thing, my adrenaline was so heightened, it was like, we're sitting there, all the sharks are circling, we needed to get the anchor up, I didn't want anyone else to jump over, and I had the gun in my head. No, I didn't even have my gun in my Mate, hand. so you took your flippers off, you hop in the boat, you took your flippers off, and we're still in five or six meters of water, right? Which is plenty of water, you know, like, that's not shallow you know to, to, to be anchored up on you know there's and there's uh you were in and out of the boat like so quickly it was crazy so you've taken your flippers off you've dropped your gun didn't even say anything to any of us and you just roll off the nose of the, bo- the boat <laughs> with no fucking flippers on as well and then you're um and you're like oh shit all these fucking bull sharks are still here yeah and um and so you basically just rolled over Oh, um, right. I was trying to get the and you, fucking rope. And I, I'm holding the anchor chain, and I'm trying to pass you the anchor chain so you can basically pull yourself down the chain. You didn't even have flippers on, right? And yeah. you've got, you're watching one bull off to, like, the side. And Myers goes, oh, like, what the fuck? Like, you know, like, this was, you know, we didn't talk about how we're going to do this or anything. And so he's, like, whipped a mask on, and he's hanging over the edge of, over the, edge of the boat now, the, over the edge of the dinghy yeah. from the back with, with a gun out, with a mask on, being, like... Trying to, I guess, like, you know, if something was to happen, just yeah. be there, right? Well, this, and yeah, and this bull shark starts circling me, and I'm like, fuck, I've got to get the anchor up. And so I'm like, fuck, just go for it. And I just dove, start pulling myself down the anchor yeah. chain, looking at this bull shark, not knowing that there was a bull shark circling behind me, looking at me. And that's the one that fucking Myers was looking at. He yeah, doesn't see the exactly. one I'm seeing. He sees the one behind me, and I don't see the one behind me. So I pull down, and I do this so quick that I don't have time to equalize. So I get to about seven meters or six meters, where the, or maybe even eight meters where the fucking chain is, and the anchor's stuck in the reef. And I, my ears just start ringing. I'm like, fuck, fuck. And I'm watching this bull shark, and then next thing I just hit my ears, and then I fucking, I'm ripping the chain. I'm starting, starting to run out of air. Can I get it? And then I just leg it up the chain, up for the boat, and I just dive in, and everyone's just like, holy hell. <laughs> and then after that, we just laugh and go, bull sharks, that is next level, next level. So we go back in, and we, you know, we get on the beer, or on the, on the rums, and we're laughing about it this day. And we're like, all right, well, maybe out there is not for spearing. The sharks are too wild. Let's spear inside tomorrow, you know? Mm. So the next day, we decide to go spear around the boat, inside the the atoll. We're like, this will be easy. And then we, there were some shallows that you could get up onto the dry reef. It was like nice chest to waist deep shallows and then like a bit of a dry reef. And it was like kind of 20 meters until you get to those shallows. And we had to what? Like 20 meters depth, but we had to swim like maybe 50 meters yeah. to get to those yeah, shallow parts from where we're anchored on the boat. Yeah. So and the I- visibility is... 50 feet out here. Yeah, the visibility it's abs- is most visibility I've ever seen in my life. So we jump off. I jump off first. You guys are still doing your stuff. I'm just swimming around the boat, hanging out. There's a couple little bombies. I'm looking at some fish and everything. And then, you know, there's a shark, another, you know, there's a black tip shark swimming around. And by this stage, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried again because I'm back to the, you know, sharks are cool. They're, you know, even though they've 
they've exhibited different behavior here. And it's funny because we were talking to the other divers and other boats here and they've all experienced the same thing. They're all saying the sharks here are just different. They're just like way more inquisitive, come way more in. They really, they're looking at you like everyone had the same story that the shark's looking at you as food. I see this big stingray going along the bottom with a whole heap of jacks behind it because as mm. it eats the crustaceans around, the jacks come behind and, and eat. And I see, and I don't want to shoot anything because of this shark until you guys get here. So I call over Myers, like, Myers, you guys swim over. Myers swims down and shoots a jack. And he puts on his, on his line. The shark stays away because we get it to us. little black tip sticks to the bottom. He kind of checks things out and goes, what was that commotion about? Yeah. So now no we're worries. back to normal behavior. So yeah. now we're back to thinking, oh, it's fine. So we swim into the shallows. The float's off behind us. We're in chest deep water. Yeah. Next thing, Myers yells, shark! It's hitting my float. <laughs> and we turn and there's a giant tiger shark, all bull shark. I didn't see. It was one of them just smashing this float. And that was so scary watching the ferociousness of yeah. this You and I are a bit closer. We were swimming behind Myers. So we're kind of halfway back along the rope towards the float. Yeah. So we're like eight, ten meters from this shark. Yeah. And it's just going nuts. And this is in the shallows. And we're like, oh, yeah, God. That was what was scary, man. It was in like two meters of water, yeah. if that. So, you know. again, we, we're like, fuck this. Let's just get to the shallows. So, we go up looking for... Like, <laughs> Which is oh, like waist shoot. deep water now. We're like, we're safe if it's waist deep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we're cruising along. We're like, all right, looking for, we're looking for lobsters. We don't find any lobsters. So, we're like, all right, time to go back to the boat. So, swimming back to the boat. We found a mast. Oh, yeah, we found a mask, a shipwreck. A aluminium mask. mask. Been ripped. Yeah, the ship yeah. had been wrecked across this reef here, and we found parts of it. That was actually insane. And we decided to start swimming back to the to the boat. So we go swim out in the depth, and we start swimming back to Elfie, and we've got a couple hundred meters swim. And there's several other boats along the way, it's worth saying. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, there was probably five, six boats. Five kind of anchored boats up on that anchored corner in that area. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's like kids swimming on pool noodles, you know, jumping off bat, people scrubbing the hull and of these uh, of these yachts and things. And, yeah, and, and we're, we're like, just... oh, we'll just swim through, you know, you see all the anchor chains, you can see, you know, yeah. it's a bit on. Again, we see a school of jacks. Myers and I both dive down and I let him dive deeper than me to have the first shot, you know, cause, and so he dives down first. He shoots one, right? And after that, they get a bit skittish. So then I go for a shot and I hit this one. It's on the spear and then it rips off. Mm. It gets off. And we're like, you know, we get up for a breath and next thing, this grey shark comes so in. Myers is, yeah, so, Myers is taking this fish. He's got it on the spear. He's in the process of pulling it up to him. We're now all on the surface. And this fish is being, you know, Myers is pulling it up the string um, and the shark just basically comes straight at the fish. And I dive down yeah, with, and the, with, the, with the hand spear. And we're playing with Gesture the- at it, you know, and it's it's... Three meters from the surface now. Yeah. In 20 meters of water. And we're and playing with the normal rules that if you yeah. get the shark, once we get the fish into us, it's our territory now. Yeah. The shark's not going to come near us. You know, once we get the fish in, it's going to back off. So we're just going for that. You know what I mean? So you and I, like, jab the shark away, he gets the fish in. Mm. But then this is where it turned. Mm. And I've never experienced anything like this. The shark changed its. It's a pro- it changed what it was interested in. It wasn't suddenly interested in the fish anymore. It was interested in us. And it started coming at you and I. Mm. And then Myers. And it starts coming straight at us, trying to get at us. And like, man, we're so lucky there was only one shark. Because I remember it coming at me. And I'm hitting oh, yeah. it with my spear. And then it dives down and comes behind me. And then you hit it. And then it comes behind you and I hit it. And then it comes behind Myers. And it's trying to get at us. It's looking at us as food, mm. trying to get at and us. And Myers is holding the fish close to him at, one, at, at, at a point, or yeah. to a point. 
He's um, holding the he's, fish close. He's, I think he's hit it off with his butt of his spear gun at least once because he's still got a spear through this fish, right? Yeah, and he's... Um, and then eventually he makes a call. He says, you know, well, this is this is not going that well. <laughs> I'm going to drop the fish. So he drops his spear, drops his fish, yeah. it falls well, back down. It, it, right? it but, comes and I'm sitting there and it's getting so heated and I start... You hit the shark really hard and pierce blood. It comes at me. I hit it as hard as I can with my spear. My spear goes into it about oh, two yeah. inches. I see this hole go in, blood come out and it's still just coming at us. And I'm just thinking, fuck my eyes, drop the fish, drop the fish. And then I just see him drop his spear with the fish still mm. on it. It drops off and I go, thank God. Mm. But the shark behavior doesn't change. It just comes at us. Yeah. And I remember it came at us. You hit it and then it dropped down, came underneath. And I remember thinking, okay, this is it's not getting away. I need to hit it in the snout more. Because like, yeah. I was hitting it on the head. And I'm like, I'm going for the snout where all the sensors are. And it comes at my feet. And I hit it as hard as I could. It was like the hardest punch I could do, like punching with my spear on the end of my fist kind of thing. And my spear would have gone a couple of inches into him. (laughs) And I just remember my spear going into him and then pulling out. And I see this hole where my spear just was. And then he just goes back around, not phased. And I'm like, what the fuck? Had the same experience, man. Had the three prong, you know, to getting all up in the caves and things when we were planning to... To get the lobster. To get the yeah. lobster and that. And, and like, you know, these, these three-pronged spears have barbs on them. You know, it's like a fish hook. It's like, so it doesn't come off. Yeah. I remember like pulling, like shoving it into him with these barbs and just like pulling it out. You know what I mean? And it's like, he, he was covered in like holes. Yeah. Where we'd been punching him, you know, and sticking and he's prodding him. And, and, he and this is... You can actually call this a shark attack. Like, mm. as in, like, just because we didn't get bitten, he was attacking us. Mm. Like, I felt like I was fighting. Like, mm. I was I was in fight mode. I was punching something mm. off. I was fighting it. I had to... And it was weird because you had to watch its movements. It was like boxing. You're watching its movements. It comes this way. You move that way. You hit that way kind of thing. And it's hard because it was so quick and around you in the water. And that was the thing. By the time I pulled my spear back in and then it's coming back at me, I can't move it quick enough. And that's what was so good about you and I. And then my there like being back to back like when it would come at me a different angle or at you you were able to hit it for me or Mm. I was able to hit it for you Mm. and it ends up hitting the fish ripping the fish fish off this massive fish I think it takes it finally gets interested you know we've dropped the fish now but it was another 20 20 seconds 30 seconds before he realized or before he decided that was the easy target I suppose yeah but eventually he pisses off and goes down and just Chomp, chomp, chomp. It's this fish. The next thing we're left in the water screaming like, what the fuck was that? Well, I'm thinking like, where's that 12 foot like tiger or whatever it was that just ate that other jack off the float like an hour ago? Yeah. So that, that was my that, concern. So we have to swim back to the boat, and that was the thing. You check in every corner because you're like, we just made so much commotion in the water. Blood's gone through. Blood's come out of that shark. You know, we're like, there's stuff going on. There's so many sharks here. So we get back and we're like, all right, no more diving here. This is, <laughs> this is no more. And we're like, so the next morning we get up and we want to do stuff. And we, we hear about South Minerva Reef, which is five hours kind of sail south, which is, again, closer to New Zealand. So we're like, it's a nice day. We don't have much wind. We're going to have to motor there. And we're like... Myers was like, yeah, let's go there. Let's go check that out. So we pull anchor, start sailing. So now we've already lost two fish, two um, sharks. And we put the lures out and we start trawling on our way out. And as soon as we start hitting the opening, boom, fish on. We're on. We're trying to freaking get in as fast as we can. Next thing, sharks. Just He's turned off. the boat around and motored directly at the line. You, know, you could not directly have, at you the could line. not have 
got this fish in quicker, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there was no... The fish didn't have to run. Like, it was just... And, again, just sharks just hit it. And we're like, holy shit. So, now there's three fish we've lost to sharks. And we're like, God, we... we and we're out here with not too many provisions. And we, we have to catch fish kind of thing. Like, that is our protein. And that's also part of it. That's part of the whole adventure and the experience mm. about being at sea is having to provide for yourself. And, and now this is just adding these new levels of... Of tricks. So then we're we're out in the ocean, and and next thing, you know, our lines get hit again. We get a double hook up through it through a school of tuna again, and again we're we're trying to reel them in, yeah. and we get one to the boat. And as I'm just. getting the other one in, it was a bit further out. The sharks just start hitting it, and the sharks just go nuts. Hit this uh, tuna that I nearly get to the boat and take out. Don't prize just take lure. the tuna, but they take the prize lure. Mm. So now there's a bit of a, a darkness. I'm like, God, now I've lost five fish yeah. <laughs> to freaking sharks. And the favorite lure. And and so we come into to, to South Minerva Reef and, and we pull anchor. The first thing we do is jump overboard. And first thing I do is look down and look down. There's just sharks everywhere. More sharks than North Minerva. Like, holy fuck. How are we going to do this? I'm like, I've got to outsmart the sharks somehow. So I decided to put a hand line down. And I was like, maybe if I could put a hand line down, hit the bottom, when a fish hits on, I can pull it in quicker with my hands to get it on. So you and I have this bright idea. This is the quickest way to get a line up. It's yeah. too dangerous to spear. We've got all the leftover bits off this uh, this tuna that we've pulled in, and we've, we're using we're using little chunks of tuna as bait. bait. Yeah. So first thing we do, drop a line over, catch by the looks of it, a jack or a trevally something because yeah. we're we're in tw- 20 meters anchored of water but we can see directly to the bottom yeah. it is that crystal clear off the boat and so next thing we're just like trying to pull this line in as two quick people. as we can <laughs> two people as quick as we can trying to pull this fish in straight up sharks hit it the shark gets hooked off it goes rips out burns our fingers the line we try cleat off off the thing oh my god it bends the that hook these crazy. sharks start going nuts Having when we had it cleated and then and we got that and then that shark ended up like on the hook before he chewed the line and then it, he was kind of quite placid and he's taken it straight, you know he's come straight up to the boat and yeah. then he just we're sort of almost there and we're trying to you know we're like oh, how am I get this hook out and he just turns and it just ripped out of my hands like ripped through the gloves. Fortunately, we had gloves on. You had gloves on. I had gloves on. We had a round of cleat as well. It rips holes in the gloves. Rips holes in it. We burn both just marks. got burn marks. So you got one on your arm. I got one on my fingers. You got one on your fingers. It's like you know, you wrap that around your finger, you would lose it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Being fishing line. It was so so we're sitting here. We're sitting here frustrated. Like how? What can we do? Yeah. What can we do? So I decide, I'm like, well, I'm going to change the strategy. Yeah, we've got to outsmart these sharks. We need to get a fish. We need this protein. <laughs> so I decide to put a light off the boat when it goes dark. I put a light off. I put a flasher over, a flasher like that's going to be shiny and look like a bait ball. And I'm going to try to get those bigger fish to the surface more so I can drop a bait in and get it to the boat before the sharks do. So I try this and straight, straight away hook up, straight away shark, straight away hook to shark. Shark bends the hook. Freaking sharks going nuts at the back of the boat. Try it again. Again, sharks. So we're feeling pretty defeated and deflated. Aren't we? <laughs> Cannot catch a fish. Cannot catch a fish. Too because many there's sharks. too many sharks, yeah. So we decide, all right, we're going to have to get back to the spearing. We're going to have to get back to the spearing. So we get geared up yesterday. This is yesterday at South Minerva Reef. We get our gear, put it in the dinghy, and there's a, there's a bomby out in the middle of this bay that comes up 
pretty much the tip of the water. It's just a pinnacle that comes straight up. And we're like, well, maybe we can dive off that bommy, you know, because then we can anchor the dinghy right there. We can get straight in the dinghy. We jump in, we jump in the dinghy. First thing we do, look over the edge and there's just eight sharks underneath eight the boat. Eight sharks <laughs> underneath the boat. I'm like, fuck, fuck this. this. <laughs> so we get in the dinghy. We go out to this bommy. We drive up on the bommy pretty much and I stick my head over and I'm like, look and I'm like, whoa, this is beautiful bommy. Look at, oh, there's a whole heap of fish. And I look to the side and there's 30 sharks. And I'm like, Blake, put your head over. Check this out. <laughs> check this out. You put your head over. Oh my God. So we're like, let's just go to the yeah, shallows. Yeah. So we decide to go to the shallows where there's pretty much... Just patchy bommies. Patchy bommies that have like a bottom. foot of water on yeah. the top of them. And we decide to anchor the dinghy in there. We're like, sweet, there won't be any sharks in here. We're in like four or five meters of water with all these bommies all around it's us. It's like this maze of bommies, though. These, you know, these these labyrinth of sort of, you know, little fingers and twists and turns all the way into this shallow reef, you know. Uh, and we're like, oh, we're, you know, we're right inside, you know. And yeah. it's maybe three, four meters deep, yeah. I suppose. And, you know, surrounded by these half a nearly meter dry yeah, nearly dry bombies you know that you, you, so we felt pretty safe in there we yeah, well, like no sharks out. are going to yeah. get in here for sure in this labyrinth yeah. so we jump off and we're looking and suddenly this by far I have to say this is the best spear fishing I've ever seen in my life the in within 5 minutes yeah. I saw the biggest snappers I'd ever seen in my life the biggest gropers the biggest trout the biggest trevally jobfish Mate, we were squealing at each we other were squealing <laughs> underwater going oh my god there was like these massive sea perch I'm like holy shit but again suddenly three sharks around us and they start circling us and so we're like oh I'll just go for the bommy so we get on this bommy <laughs> And next thing, we're just getting circled. We're in like a foot deep of water holding onto this bommy, like enough for both our bo- bodies to be on the top of this, this bommy. And we've just got three sharks circling the bommy. And we're our dinghy is peeking over anchored. the edge with our guns hanging yeah, over the edge. Yeah, we're just peeking over, like trying to follow these sharks and like trying to gesture, gesture them off. And we're like, we can't even like get a fish in here. So we're like, we've got to come up with another strategy. Come up with another strategy. So we, we wait for the sharks to kind of be out of reach and we swim for the fish. <laughs> yeah. We get in the dinghy and we pull the anchor. And I'm like, okay, we'll anchor on the bommy. Yeah. Pull the engine up so it doesn't hit the bommy. The, the, the boat will, you know, will be able to float on top. We'll anchor just off the bommy and then we'll use the dinghy to put our head over and we'll shoot one of those fish because it's only three, four meters depth of water. So I anchor on this bommy. I've got my head over. I'm just seeing all these prized fish and I'm like, Blake, hold my legs. (laughs) (laughs) Just hold me into the boat. I'm like, hold my legs. Just dangle me over the side of the dinghy with my gun. And I'm like, you ready? You're going to have to be ready to grab the float and pull pull a fish in. So he, he dangles, you dangle me over. But, I just, it's, it was so Too funny. Rocky, I'm just, yeah. I can't like look straight above. I can only look down and I know there's sharks circling us. So, and I can't, I'm like, I can't, we just can't do it. We're like, oh, again, defeated. These sharks are defeating us and we need these fish and some of the best fish. But now it's become a game. It's yeah. become a game, a full on game of how do we get a fish away from these sharks? But we see a bigger coral head, like a big, quite like what? It would have been like 10 meters wide. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we're like... Let's go over to that one. Let's sit on that. That way we can get off. It's like knee-deep water. We can get off the bommy. I can hang off the side and we can shoot something. So we take the dinghy over there. This is yesterday. We anchor off. What was the plan? The plan is I'm going to hang over the edge. I take my flippers off so I can stand on the reef, which I have (laughs) now cut on my feet. We're literally spearfishing just with, you know, with no flippers. Yeah. (laughs) It's so shallow. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, Blake, you hold... 
the float. I'm going to shoot something, let go of the gun. The sharks are going to come. I'm going to run across the reef, jump into the thingy. You've got to pull the fish in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Next, I'm hanging off the side of this bommie, hanging over. I'm watching, wait, waiting for the sharks to go. I'm, there's just prize fish everywhere, and I'm, I'm looking at this cave, and I'm like, seeing, I see this uh, nice Mary sea perch. And I look, and I just go, Blake, are you ready? <laughs> How are you? Yeah, yeah, it's like, so funny. Are you ready? But even, even the answer, it's like you got, the, there's so many fish there that it's like, it wasn't like, it was like you ready. I, the shark has like gone around the corner, you know, yeah. whatever. You can't see any sharks right now, so it's like you are you ready? And then it's like, all right, I'm going to spear something now. Yeah, and you just turn around and spear something like. Yeah, and I just <laughs> turn so around. And I fish. fucking shoot this sea perch in this in this like kind of swim through cave, and I just back because I'm like holding the reef around near my chest. My feet are like in like the shallow parts. My head is hanging over the drop off. I push myself back. I stand up on the coral heads and just run for the dinghy <laughs> while you're pulling in. I'm trying to like pull the fucking gun as well. I just leap for the because I'm thinking this shark's gonna come up onto the shallows or something. I just leap into the oh fucking dinghy. You pull the fish up. We get the fish in the dinghy in like ten seconds. Eh? Not, Not even, even, mate. Like it's just straight there. We get this fish in and we get this nice fucking fish. We're like, yes, we're on, we're on. So we're like, okay, ready to go again, ready to go again. So I go to the other side of the drop-off, same thing, waiting for these sharks to go past. And meanwhile, the sharks go past, and you'll have these massive, like, 20-kilo snapper swim mm. in front of the gun, but with a shark next to it. Or you have this jobfish swim in front of the gun, but with a shark next to it, and you're like, oh. And you're like, so again, we're waiting. We're waiting for these sharks to go. <laughs> and I go, Blake, you ready? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yep. And as soon as I said that to you, I look, and out coming straight at me is this big Jewfish. This 20 kilo Jewfish. Oh, no, it wasn't that big. 10 kilo. It was a pretty solid yeah, fish. Yeah, solid guy. Yeah, doubling everything now. I'm getting excited. And I've just turned. I've just go, you ready? And I've turned. As soon as I've turned, I've seen. I've just gone, go. Bang, I've shot this thing. I've jumped up, running across the reef while you're pulling in this fine. And again, I'm just diving, like literally launching myself into the thingy while you're pulling up this fish that's going nuts. <laughs> and we get it. And then we go for a third try. Oh, my God. And by that time, we go for a third try. We get in. And by this time, the water's coming in across the reef. The tide's coming up too high. And it's getting to the point where the sharks are coming up. Mm. up onto that foot deep which is now getting like over waist deep chest deep yeah, yeah on these bombies and we're like okay we can't do this anymore you know what I mean the sharks win again like yeah. we won so yeah so it's been the whole game now is outsmarting the sharks and we're, <laughs> we're going again literally in about half we're waiting for that low tide so we can hang on these bombies and jump off the bombies spear a fish and jump back onto the bombie <laughs> I don't even know if you can call it spearing anymore. I I think what the funniest thing was is that last night we we hung out and we're drinking, having sundowners with the only other boat that's in this area, which are these old, um, amazing, amazing American people, which have just been traveling their whole life and adventuring their whole life, and they're these divers, and they 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 have the same tales about the sharks. They actually showed us footage of one of the sharks trying to trying to bite oh, his, yeah. his nearly uh, bit him in the foot a couple of days ago, and. We're sitting here telling all these stories about these stupid stories of our young and of our young days of like like when I first met you in Chile and like getting kicked out of hostels and like doing all this stupid skating, we being doing. a vagrant, yeah, yeah, and like we're laughing about all these stupid things we've done, and then we're getting on the boat to come back last night. No, you know go, what Jill said? She goes, you know, 
Your guys' tale from this afternoon sounds like a comic show. (laughs) (laughs) This this one we've just told you now, sitting on top of the bombies, like us, you know, perched up on this tabletop of a bombie, like hanging off the edge, trying to, with three sharks circling type thing. It's like a comedy show, man. And I've just had, you know, I just had this realization we're still doing those stupid things. You know what I mean? Like, and. Spearos and like me spearing in the water and me spearing for quite quite a few years now and I'm still scared of sharks and so my mates are, I'm still not in that full on confidence around sharks zone like a lot of my you know really good spear friends are but for me this behaviour is just like they're these are all man eaters like this is like this is so wild you know what I mean and like it is literally playing this game of like how can we outsmart the sharks yeah and it's just insane. And like, as soon as like we we get back to the boat, and as soon as you you start filling up the fish, and as soon as you throw it over, we've got eight, ten, fifteen sharks all fighting at the back of the boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Within anything dropping off, they're on the bottom. Like we're standing up on the back of the boat, looking down at crystal clear water at fifteen, twenty meters that we're anchored in, and just watching the sharks on the bottom. Mm. It's absolutely mm. insane. I did a backflip off the side of the boat this morning. And I don't think I've ever swum as far as fast as as that background to the ladder. Hey, because you know that they're coming up for curiosity, like yeah. straight away. Anything that hits that water, and like we put the go. This was what was even interesting. We put the GoPro in the water to film it, and they tried biting the GoPro. Mm. You know what I mean? Straight up, like they're like they're just too curious, and they're trying to bite the GoPro. Yeah, yeah. F- cross fingers, touch wood, because we have to go back out there today. Yeah, I I saw the most prized fish. I've ever seen in my life that would be the best eating and and we're in a zone right now for people that even don't agree with uh, fishing or anything because each their own it's all fine but we're in the middle of the ocean and this is this is how we're feeding ourselves and this is the whole adventure and the rawness about being back to nature and about catching your food and going to islands and foraging and and getting the coconuts and using every part of the coconut, like drinking the juice, using it for, for curries. We've been blending up coconuts yeah. and pineapple with rum for yeah. pina coladas. It's been amazing. But it's that raw experience. And so right now, like we need to sustain ourselves. We want to get fish. You know what I mean? It's part of that game of that primitive mind and getting right back into nature and that's part of it now we've gone so far back that now it's like trying to fucking out trick the sharks you know uh, Aaron, Aaron hasn't had internet for, for weeks so he's just regressing it's back to primitive man <laughs> yeah 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 back to the primitive mind has come back in exactly no yeah so we've had a lot of fun with the sharks um and uh I don't know if you could call it fun but I guess it's been it been, been an experience, it's been and, a and, and and adrenaline and we, we ride. thought we'd document that in in song, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so we made up a song. Actually, do you have the lyrics of the song? So we made up a song. Do you remember the lyrics? So we sat here, and, and after that first day of those bulls coming at us, it was such a heightened adrenaline experience having to hit off full big four big bull sharks with you know another ten grey reef black tip white tip shark swimming mm-hmm. around and we got back in that night and we started playing the guitar and we and we, we were having a few drinks and we made up these lyrics about how different it was the sharks out here and the experience we had and it was how did the lyrics go? Do you remember? I can't remember off the top of my head now there's a little we wrote them down somewhere it was uh it's going to be the, the intro and the outro to this reef. episode isn't it? yeah <laughs> outnumbered by the sharks yeah but we decided um, 
Oh, we committed actually uh, to performing it on Channel 16, which is the uh, in the yachting world and the cruising world. The uh, I guess the it's the channel that you default to. It's where all the action happens. It's you know actually the the channel used for emergencies for everything, right? You know for for any announcements for helping out, and, and you'll move off that if you if you need to or if you're having a. Um, uh, informal informal conversation you might move off it but um we just decided we'd actually run a concert <laughs> we'd actually decided we'd run a live performance of this song just for the benefit of our of our 20 compa- uh, companions out here in the middle of the reef um and so myers hops up and he's like hey this is DJ SJXP. <laughs> Alfie, Alfie being the name of our boat. Yeah, this is Alfie. We are performing a live concert on <laughs> Channel 8. That's 08. <laughs> and runs away with it with this beautiful, beautiful, like incredible, deep voiced, like radio, radio disc jockey radio voice. He just pulled out of nowhere. <laughs> And gets everyone, gets the rest of the anchorage over onto Channel 16. And we launched into this just song about us getting attacked by a shark (laughs) or nearly getting attacked, nearly getting bitten by sharks. Yeah. We had more than over here. We had had Ben and Jen uh, from another boat as well on board. And and, and we had maracas and we had someone on the spoons. Well, that's (laughs) the most amazing thing about traveling too. And then about traveling on a yacht being so raw. It's like, okay, so... We're in Minerva Reef and it's a safe haven. So other yachties that are all from all around the world are suddenly in this spot and there's 20 boats anchored in there and they've all got a story. And, and in the afternoon, like someone comes on your boat and, and you pull out the rum and everyone just starts drinking and telling tales and you're hearing all these tales of adventure and it's just amazing. And then, then we leave that reef where there's 20 boats and we come to South Minerva five hours sail away and there's one other boat in, in here and, and the guys in here have been adventurous their whole life mm. and have ventured all around the world one guy's been growing marijuana you know he's an old hippie from the 60s and he's lived off fucking he told us all these tales all night as, over, over drinking rum about having marijuana plantations and hiding from the cops and going into the hills and like driving around and just have, living this crazy adventurous lifestyle and, and we left last night so inspired to just adventure all mm. we wanted to do is just go and adventure more because you, you're meeting these you, you're forced to interact with people that you wouldn't normally would. Like, you know, like if we're in like any backpacking town or anywhere in life and we meet these guys, unless the circumstances really came to put you two together, mm. you don't get to have that interaction with them. Where they're the only other boat, you know, anchored in the middle of the ocean, man. Like we are halfway <laughs> in between New Zealand and Tonga and there's no, there's in an atoll, there's no, not landmass here. It's an atoll. It's just suddenly reef that's jacked up from the ocean and it's providing a bit of a safe haven from not from the wind but from the waves and they're the only other boat in there and you get to sit down and hear all these tales of the sea and of like adventures and all this like wild stuff and that is the rawness of traveling and like this is like the yachting and and that's why i bought why me and my friends bought a yacht years ago to sail because we'd been backpacking and doing all these adventures all around the world and you're constantly searching for the rawness and 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 for me i still don't think i think it's it's this i think yachting and then mountaineering yeah are the t- kind I of agree. two things that we have left that are just the raw back to nature back to the elements you know what i mean where modern technology does play a part but not as much you know what i mean you can go backpacking now you've got the app you can 
everywhere has Wi-Fi. You can book a hostel here. You can book a tour there. You, it's so easy to do this. When you're... Well, there's, not, there's not really two places, two more, you know, t- they are the two places where you're sort of least likely to find a human, right? Yeah. It's like, we're not amphibious. We're not aquatic creatures. We're out in the middle of nowhere. You're dependent so much on what you take and what you've created and the boat you're on and, and your decisions on that. Yeah. And mountaineering is much the same, right? It's like, you you know, the exposure and the immediacy of that, you know, yeah. if you don't, if you make bad decisions, if you get wet, if you're, you know, if you're not dressed correctly, if you're on the same, it's mountaineering, right? It's like, you, it's, it can go wrong. In yeah, it can heartbeat. go wrong like that. Yeah. And that's also the humbling thing about it. The humbling mm. thing with mountaineering, being in the mountains and being on the ocean is that you're at the whim of nature. Mm-hmm. Like nature is so much bigger than you and you have to play that game. And like, for instance, us, like we plan to set sail. Um, we plan to hang around Tonga then set sail on a good weather window and we wanted to be in New Zealand by the 14th mm-hmm. of this month which what month are we even in November I don't even know what day it is or what month it is <laughs> hold on let me check it's the 14th today the 14th and we're still six days yeah. sail away and so like then we didn't get our window in Minerva Reef until a few days I mean from Tonga to Minerva Reef for a couple of days late then we got to Minerva Reef and it was a bit of a wild sail especially that last day it was really nice we had perfect sailing we had a bit of everything and then we get into Minerva Reef, and now there's just no wind to get us to New Zealand. So, mm. like, we're literally sitting here, and there is no... We can't have a timeline, and, like, there is no... The thing is, it takes away control, because you're at the control... Nature controls you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it takes away that control, and it's, so it takes away expectation. And that's why it humbles you so much, because what's, what, what's the downside of our life that we have, like... We, for me, anyway when I get out of balance in life is when I'm trying to control things too much, when I have too much expectation, right? As soon as I go into the mountains, as soon as I go into the ocean, like sailing, it's like, boom, straight away, there's no, you can't have expectation, you can't have control because you lose. You know what I mean? It's like nature has control and you play the game with nature. We're sitting here right now. You, imagine if you were in the everyday today life and someone says, no, you have to sit here in this reef and what you can't leave. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, you you know you we're gonna try fight that but when you're out here in the middle of the thing it's like okay we can't leave until the nature says we can mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. we can't leave until that wind picks up until it can actually take us you know what i mean so we're sitting here day in day out and and that end date of that 14th it doesn't matter anymore yeah and it's just like and we joked i mean you joked before about the primitive mind but it's like you don't and I spend a lot more time in the mountains than doing the yachts, so I can equate to something in that. And it's like, I don't think life ever makes more sense than when I'm standing at the bottom of a mountain. Yeah. Because all you've really got to do is walk back up. You know, you might have skied it, you might, whatever. Yeah. But it's like, if you, you're just, there's just one thing to do. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, you don't have the, you know, the, the, the expectations, as you said, and all those, you know, that cacophony of noise that surrounds you in a regular yeah. environment, you know, just dissipates. Yeah. And it's like, there's just that one activity and you can just focus. It's like that clarity and that focus, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, you know, just one step, one, one step after the next. Well, and well, and it's the same for being out here in the water. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really, there's not much here to do, you know, it's yeah. like we can, Fortunately, have a sat phone so you can call ahead. You can change anything, you know, any appointments, whatever that you that you might have had. But it's like other than that, it's like totally out of your hands. Yeah, <laughs> you're well, really just riding on the wind. I had some great epiphanies this morning, and um, last couple of mornings, I've I've gotten up and gone and sat up on the bow and and just looked. And I did that this morning. I had my headphones in, I had the music on, and and I just went and sat up on the bow, and I just thought about, 
you know, my life and the outside world and, and relationships with people like my friends and people that mean a lot. And you sit there and you just, and you're just thinking and, 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 and one thing I noticed what I took from that, I was sitting there and I was like thinking about all this stuff and the only thing that mattered was what was important. You know what I mean? All these things that have become when I'm, when I'm at home and my life starts getting too much. It's like, I create all that. I've been creating, like, I've been trying to build this house. I've been trying to do all these different things. I've been trying to do the podcast. And I start putting too much effort into the podcast. Or I start wanting, basically, I think it's, I'm not living my, I haven't, I realized this morning that I haven't been living my life as efficiently as I could. Mm. You know what I mean? I've been stressing myself out for things that I've just been causing on myself, just been making that happen. And, and, and you need these moments. You need these moments of clarity to have those realizations. And like, so this morning I was laying up there and, I, and exactly that, I was like, this is so good to be so disconnected. And I remember I was always someone that was always so disconnected, you know what I mean? And when I started the podcast and started an Instagram, you know, and, I, I, and I've not done YouTube, I haven't done Facebook, which now I have to do, but they overwhelm me. Just the fact I've had to do Instagram, now I've gone into that and I was thinking, you know, like, this does my head in. I don't want to be doing it, but I kind of need to. And I was like, how can I do this efficiently? And so I sat up there this morning and I, and I thought about it and I thought about, yeah, in the mornings, like I get too too lost on social media, like an Instagram, it's been taking up too much of my time. And I, by removing myself of it for so long, I was able to step back and see where it does have the negative impacts in my life and where it has the positives. And this morning I came up with this plan and I'm hope that I stick to it, but it, it was just the whole point of having that epiphany in the first place. It was like, okay, like Wild Earth did send me that they did send me quite quite a bit of information of how to balance this and how to do it and use the use this app called the later app ladder app of being able to schedule things so i can literally do you know because i was saying i get too overwhelmed with social media and stuff then they're saying you know half an hour mm. at night or one day a week you can book everything and do all your ads all the stuff for the podcast and this yeah. one thing and i just thought to myself why haven't i done that yeah you know what i mean instead of every day having like getting lost for half an hour here half an hour there an hour here trying to do this thing and i'm like thinking i have to do it and getting and i'm just like i'm not being efficient here and then i sat there and then i meditated for a little bit and i listened to music and then i was so thankful i was actually so thankful of just even having that thought just having that space to be able to have that thought and this was another thing actually about being isolated and and being humbled and you ends up taking you back to the appreciation and this is something that I wrote actually because I remembered that I wanted to tell you guys so I should tell you guys I was sitting here and I was just thinking about being at sea with the, th the three of you right with Alexa from Still Stoked you Blake and our friend Myers like who owns the yacht right and I've written this on my phone because I was like I need to tell these guys this and this is literally just a moment of appreciation I had because I was so taken away I was so separated from everything of what it is so I could sit and just I could sit and just appreciate what is, right? Mm. Because it wasn't outside distractions. And I said, common fact of everyone on on board is that I believe in everyone. You know what I mean? Mm. So I believe in everyone on this boat, in their fields of what they do. I believe in them and I have faith in them. Right, I mean? So your, your field of expertise and who you are as a person, and I was thinking like, Blake, you're such a strong person. And everything that you are and stand for, I believe in you. You know what I mean? It's mm. just like... I have faith in you with that. Alexa was still stoked in her message and everything she does. I was like, I believe in her so much. You know what I mean? I believe that she can put out a good review. I believe that she can put out a good articles. I believe everything that she touches, I know it's hers and I believe in her. And then 
I believe in Myers, you know, yeah. getting us to be able to get us there safely, to be able to like Captain. show us a knowledge of um, fishing and trawling and spirit. Like, you know, I've been learning heaps off him in so many ways. And I, and I have this thing, like when you guys are with you with the weather, with him with the weather, I know that's been something that I haven't had to get as involved in. I've like looked at as an observer, but I haven't had to, because I believe in you guys so much and I know it's safe. And I was thinking about this before and I was like, well, how nice is it? that I'm in a, in a space so taken away and so disconnected from everything that I'm able to take the time to appreciate the people that I'm with. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. then I had this thing like, wow, I don't do that enough when I'm busy. You know what I mean? Because you put it aside. And I was like, and so I'm pretty thankful of this trip, man. Because this is such a unique trip to be able to like, dude, we've been... Everywhere that we've had on the mainland has been hitchhiking around and connecting and trading with people and yep. integrating with locals and, and having all these beautiful experiences. And then everywhere at sea, we've been such a team and we've been salt nature foraging and exploring and diving and spearing fish, you know? Yeah. And I think it's um, it's it's been as disconnected as I've ever experienced you know, in the last 10 years or so since since internet and Wi-Fi seems to have just become commonplace everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm naturally one of those people who tends to be on holidays or whatever, but it's like, you know, emails, all these things is like, you know, still very accessible, very easy. You've got your laptop there now these days when, you, when you're away and when you're traveling, it's easy to jump on and like check in with all that stuff. And you never really fully disconnect i think it's what you're experiencing now that with instagram and with all that where it's like you sort of have to be there present to an extent yeah. as you as the podcast right yeah but it but it, but you're just always ain't never quite disconnecting from it and um man being out here like in tonga out here it's like internet either just was so slow it wasn't even worth trying yeah. <laughs> or or just non-existent you know what i mean like yeah. totally non-existent man and now we're on the boat it's like we and we got a sat phone. We can send text messages, but we not like we can actually browse the web yeah. or take emails or do anything like that. And it's like that for me has just been the incredible like space just to read and to like write and to you know just um, really like a kid back. like a kid have nothing to do. Like I think that's what it is. I think it's just like having nothing to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like you mentioned the guys on the boat the other day, you know, they went out diving in the morning and then we hear this yahooing coming from outside the boat, you know, a couple of hours later and they're out on a foil sup board just towing each other around and behind the dinghy and they're old. 70 and they're just out here, you know, I mean, well, they're, they're out in the middle of the Pacific just towing each other around this shark filled lagoon on a sup board, like with a foil on it, you know, it's just like make your own fun, you know, it's like, and actually just kind of let all that. I think, you know, yeah, it's quite amazing, you know, that they are, there's not always the immediacy, but there's that opportunity to find space yeah. out here on the water, which is, which is like, and it's again, like my first sort of extended stint on a boat. Yeah. And uh, it's just beautiful. It's I, just I, beautiful. I've found that I've been able to take the time more, like when Myers is talking to me. Mm-hmm. And like the captain and he's teaching me something, I've even found that I'm able to focus mm. so much more and take in so much more of what he's saying because that is just what is, is mm. what's happening right there. So I'm so connected to that. Yeah. I th yeah, that's what it is. It's just being humbled by getting back to connect. Like we're just connecting to what is. Yeah. We're just and connecting to what is. And it's just like, I, I hope that I can keep this up because 
having this it's real by stepping outside of the box and that's what i think you always need to do like i i've said it on podcasts before like when i go do construction jobs i go back to nature and disconnect because it grounds me but this is like such an extreme grounding when you're so humbled for so many days on end Mm. and i think it's 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 definitely an experience to be had especially in the life that we're living now and it's like for me it's like i'm being able to just to just separate myself from my life back home and look at and being able to look at it with outside eyes looking in as in like oh where can i be more efficient here and that was the thing is like okay well, that actually has been taking up a lot of time it's been taking up time where i could be spending that time learning other things doing well you other go you go fun. without what it is is going without for me yeah and it's like when you when you you know and and you create habits very quickly right yeah. humans create habits very quickly psychologically and 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 in behavioral sense and physical sense and so it's like things like checking instagram and you know whatever it is it's like when you go without it gives you that objectivity yeah so you actually sit outside yourself and you sit outside that you know that that comfortable world that we all create ourselves to an, for ourselves to a certain mm. extent and you look at it and you go you know that's that's just not adding value to my life yeah. it's just not it's not actually like and and it's something uh it's, whether or not it's a great example but it's like you know TV like I moved out of home never had a TV yeah never and then TV. and I just look at it now and I'm like how but like it's like how did I, how did I ever find the time to watch TV yeah <laughs> I'm like I that I don't even, I'm like I'm like it's bizarre you know I'm just like I don't even understand if I could but then it's like when I go back home to visit my parents and things and they have a TV it's quite an occasion and it's actually like amazing you know I mean there's there's you know selectively there's really great programs on there and there's really interesting stuff and there's a lot to learn and that but it's like it's easy to fall back into that habit yeah but you need that you know you need to have sort of gone without sort of gone you know what most of the time sometimes i watch some good stuff and i need to pick the eyes out of it and it's worthwhile watching but it's like a lot of the times it's just tuning out yeah you know? and it's not not really contributing to sort of a bigger vision or what i want to do or how much fun i could be having or it's supplanting yeah. you know an activity i could or an adventure i could be having so what do you reckon for you, an experience like this, being so disconnected and and humbled by like just no timeline, like we're just out here at the whim of nature and we're talking about all this stuff, but for you, do you reckon this is like you're learning skills out here that you can now put to your every day-to-day life? I'm learning... Um I guess it's it's this is very distant from what I know. So I'm the type of guy. I mean, I have over a hundred hobbies, land-based hobbies, at yeah. home, right? Uh, you know, surfing and climbing and mountaineering and snowboarding and skating, skating and doing all these things. And I'm very passionate about the work I do in the environment uh, and sustainability, which takes up a lot of time for myself as well. And um, the I knew coming on this trip that there was going to be a lot of nothing, which is something that typically challenges me and i'm pretty extroverted naturally as a person so i was like well it's gonna be kind of interesting to sort of just sit with yourself for a while you know in like a meditation almost so yeah man i i think i've like this has been i've been learning a hell of a lot i mean a you know spearing fishing sailing all that stuff and and it's been close enough where i'm a huge weather geek as well so it's been like i've loved like anything and like a lot of the other activities activities I do, the uh, how it enables me to be close to that and like understand systems and watch watch systems and I, you know, watch um, when I say systems like global scale 
systems and weather and how it influences and then just being a part of it you know what i mean just literally being blown around on the ocean by these things i watch every day um so i mean i've learned like um or i've had the space i guess just to reflect like to sit back and and detach from all that uh uh everything at home and be outside my comfort zone i think it's the main thing it's like you know sharks for example shit scared of sharks yesterday i fucking punched one in the head like (laughs) (laughs) so i mean that's been a pretty big like you know that's been a pretty big change for me and you know i mean i think that's like you need to be willing to get out of your comfort zone right and it's like all right we're gonna we're about to hop up and dingy and go out to war again today (laughs) (laughs) and it's like you know just the simplest shit which like sounds so like uh like sheltered of me but like you know even just like cutting up fish you know like like skinning and gutting and cutting filleting fish you know what i mean like just doing things like that i mean which which is a beautiful experience yeah and just appreciating the life for what it is and and uh like you mentioned just being present for conversations man like if you you know for me to sit down and spend an hour or two doing this you know at, at home i'd feel restless like this overwhelming sense of like restlessness you know and and just uh, i'm is your time so valuable at home yeah i mean that and i'm pretty adhd as well most of the time Mm -hmm. like i'm pretty hyperactive and stuff so it's like you've been going up on deck and i do a whole pile of push-ups every morning and stuff and like breathing exercises and things and then we're doing enough surfing you know swimming or surfing or snorkeling to sort of to sort of scratch that but i mean i've just been for me, it's just been sedentary time, man. It's like I've read more books than I've read in a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Well, I've, I've written more like, food than I've yeah, eaten in a year. We have. We've just been doing. We've been eating, just feasting. We just and and we bought two bottles of alcohol each. Two Plus, liters. And I, I'm not. None of us are big drinkers. None of us are, have been big drinkers or big drinkers for years. And Myers, they already had about twelve, fifteen bottles of alcohol on the boat. And we bought six bottles with us, plus a couple of cartons of beer. And we are down to half a bottle of tequila and half a bottle of scotch. Yeah. Because we've just been <laughs> drinking every afternoon. <laughs> I've dug my toes in. I'm two days. I'm pretty much two day, three days sober now or something. It's just and um, every day we're all like, no, nah, we're not, we're not. And then someone will just be the bad influence. Like Myers will just be like, pickle shot? Yeah, <laughs> he introduces yeah. having a shot of pickle uh, pickles and having a shot of scotch together. Scotch first and pickles with one breath, and it's actually quite smooth. And so every afternoon, we you know we've got a bit of blues music playing. The sun's starting to come down, and he just goes pickle shot, and kind of like hoaxes you into it. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll have a pickle shot. Arr. yeah, arr. <laughs> <laughs> sailors, man, sailors. Oh man, okay. Well, this is um, we've been actually been talking for an hour and a half, so um. Good. I'd have love have to. fun editing all this, man. Yeah. Well, I still, I still, well, I've just got to, I still want to um, get you on and really talk about the environmental stuff that you do. And you and I um, have traveled together multiple times before and um, have some of the most ridiculous stories of any trips. Um, yeah. One, actually, just to, just to even touch on one, just to give people a little teaser, is um, when we had no more money for beer when we were in Whistler and we're standing in the square at like midnight at night and we we needed mo- more money for beer and money to get a taxi home and well, I just decided that, we just decided that maybe we'll just start busking we're like how can we bus we don't have any instruments no we're instruments like, we've got the clothes we're wearing and we've got hats maybe on maybe that's the problem yeah, eh? so we decided to just drop our hats and drop our pants put our hats down and put our um, dance bait and tackle in between our legs and start dancing and singing in the middle of the square of Whistler for money and we um that's why Aussies have a good rep over there. Yeah, eh? we started getting a whole, a whole heap of money thrown into our hats pretty quickly. 
snowing out, snowing out. Oh I'll leave people out partying and there's just these two idiots with their pants down doing manginas, singing, yeah. dancing in the middle of the thing for money, in the middle of the square. <laughs> It's not what you expect when you come out from your from your lovely dinner of sushi at uh, But it worked. People it just thought work. we got to get crowd up. Everyone was laughing, thought it was hilarious. People were throwing in money. We ended up with money for beer and to get a taxi home. Yeah, it was a brilliant That's idea. Instead of yeah, drop our pants for five minutes. Alright, <laughs> 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 right, let's um let's get out of here. But yeah, thanks for. Wait, we didn't even. Uh, you want to talk about Barry real quick? Ah uh, no! Now we're gonna have to do a whole another intro for right. Barry's podcast, which is a whole, whole another story, a whole another story. Uh, yeah, you guys enjoy. Thanks for coming on, Blake. No worries, mate. We're a couple of lonely sailors. We've got fish to trade. We take beer eggs and dirty breeze, toss her in the marine. With so many days above. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Yeah, we should get uh, it. Uh, <laughs>